Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here alongside the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And Frank, I haven't spoke to you for a few days, but we've had a couple of pretty exciting basketball games. And I was getting a little bit fired up watching this one. It felt like basketball was real for one of the rare occasions so far this season. We know it's been a little bit flat. The Bucks go down 125 to 123 to the Nets, who didn't have... Kyrie Irving, but they did have Kevin Durant and James Harden, and I think we got a little bit of a glimpse into how scary they are potentially going to be as the season moves on here. Uh, but before we dive into everything, because this was a really weird game, Frank, and I know you'll mention the numbers here as we go, but if you look purely at the three-point shooting, the free-throw shooting, and the points in the paint, and you were just looking at the box score, it might be strange to think that the Bucks were able to score 123 points in this game, but they did only lose because of Chris Middleton buzzer beater rolled out uh, at, at the buzzer. But, of course, there had to be a little bit of controversy. Milwaukee only had 3.8 seconds on the clock after Chris Middleton seemingly felt like he was trying to call timeout for an hour out on the floor after gathering the rebound. Uh, the officials gave some sort of excuse to the Bucks coaching staff that that was the best they could do. What are we, what are we do in 2021 here? Do we have technology? Can we look at a replay? I'm not sure uh, what went down there, but it was very clear Milwaukee probably should have had at least five seconds on the clock and maybe 6.2. I think it was around that. Yeah, it's a pretty big difference, you know, just in terms <laughs> of what, what you're able to do um, in a last second situation, right? I mean, if it's three seconds, 3.8 seconds, whatever, you know, I think it was 3.8 you're not really able to drop or, you know, you can't give a guy a ball and expect him to really like make a move, a screen, a roll, like, right. You, you pretty much, you got to give him the ball and then he's going to have to take a shot very quickly. Right. Um, and that's what happened with Chris. He was able to pump fake. And I mean, it was a difficult shot. It was, you know, as everybody on Bucks Twitter has already <laughs> joked, it was the obligatory Chris, you know, in the near corner um, <laughs> shot, which never goes in. Uh, but it almost, it almost did, uh, you know, horseshoes and hand grenades, uh, caveats apply there, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's too bad. I mean, this was a really fun regular season game between two very, very talented teams that you'd expect to obviously be battling it out, um, all season long, uh, in the East, if everybody stays healthy and, uh, potentially obviously a, uh, an Eastern conference finals preview as well. And I think as Bucks fans, obviously you, you would have really liked to win this game to maybe make a little bit of a statement, especially given you know, the Bucks are never going to be as, as sexy a pick as, as a team like the Nets, especially with Harden out there. But, um, you know, on some level, look, it's the first month of the season. And, <laughs> you know, you, sometimes you just lose close games. And uh, Kevin Durant and James Harden are both really, really good. And the Bucks try as they might, we're not able to shut either of those guys down. And uh, as you said, I, the, the Nets hit a ton of threes. and. Um, you know, the Bucks were able to stay into it thanks to obviously some 
good performances from their star players and, and a couple of, you know, supporting, supporting cast uh, contributions as well. But ultimately it's one of those games that I don't, you know, <laughs> exception of like, you know, the, the, yes, the wish they had more time at the end, but otherwise um, I, I don't have like big complaints about, you know, I, I think yeah. we're always like conditioned to complain <laughs> about bud or complain about, outlier three point shooting or whatever, when the bucks lose, like nobody wants to admit, like sometimes you just lose games against good teams, you know, but that's just sort of how this game felt. Yeah. I mean, that's coming back to the the point I made initially that I really just had fun watching this game Two really good teams going back and forwards. And maybe if this was playoff time, I would have been significantly more stressed than I was watching this game. But the one thing we've learned over the last couple of years is that you can learn, uh, use regular season games as learning experiences, and again, I think that the Bucks will do that. The one thing that stands out to me, I mentioned some of those numbers, but you you touched on it there. The Bucks 11 for 37 from three, so 29%. The Nets were 15 for 31, uh, 48% there. Chris Milton, 0 for 5 from three. It's unbelievable to look at the box score and see that, see that number there. But even on free throw attempts, the Bucks were only plus three, so it's not like they made up for the three-point discrepancy at the free throw line. And points in the paint... Uh, the Nets actually outscored the Bucks 52 to 50 in the paint as well. So they're normally pretty good indicators for the Bucks being able to uh, score, for the Bucks being able to have success. So again, to score 123 points, I think it's an indicator of two things. The one thing we know about this Bucks team is that they're going to have a very, very good offense. They have a bunch of weapons, even though the bench players struggled tonight, and we can talk about that a little bit. But with the starting lineup, they've got a powerful offensive team. And secondary to that, you're going to be able to score against Brooklyn. And we'll see how they adjust their roster. I'm sure they're going to have some key additions that they will bring into the team. They have some open roster spots there. But this was always a game to me. Even when the Nets got out to an 11-point lead, one of the things I tweeted was, well, the Bucs are going to have a chance to get back in here. They just need to settle down. They need to run offense because every time that they moved the ball, you felt that they were getting really, really good looks. And again, I thought Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday were the two guys that were patient. They got to their spots and they were able to score pretty easily. I mean, Chris, I know I mentioned 0 for 5 from 3, but he was 10 for 15 in two-point range. And Drew Holiday as well, 8 for 16 overall. And everyone always talks about the Bucks having a closer. And we've, we've spoken about this a lot. And we sort of get a little bit frustrated with uh, the national media's narrative. Well, Giannis isn't a closer. The Bucks have no one to close. Again, for me, in this game, despite the fact they lost, I love that I'm looking at this Bucks team now and saying, okay, they've got three legitimate guys. Last year, it was Giannis or Chris. Uh, Chris was the shooter. Giannis was a guy that closes with force. Now you have Middleton and Drew Holiday who can close with a little bit of poise with some outside shots. They can do something in the half court. So again, you never really felt like you had that with that team. And despite losing tonight, uh, I did feel more comfortable down the stretch that the Bucs were going to be able to stay in the game and at least run some offense and get good looks. And they did that. It's time to talk about betonline.ag because if you're ready for the NFL football playoffs to continue, college basketball, the NBA to keep rolling on, including that big Bucks-Lakers matchup that we've got later this week, then there is only one place that has you covered and one place we trust. That's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook expert. East meets West 
In Locked On NBA Tuesdays, Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Mercury News and host of Locked On Warriors, and David Rammel, host of Locked On Heat, tackle the biggest NBA stories of the day, coast to coast. Subscribe to Locked On NBA Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I thought the DeAndre Jordan um, is a guy who, you know, has been a, a, there's been a lot of discussion with him around the Nets because he was starting ahead of Jared Allen, who was clearly a better player. And now he's the only guy uh, who's a center on this roster, at least for the moment. And, you know, they put him on Giannis to start the game. And, I mean, give DeAndre Jordan credit. I mean, Giannis could not really figure out how to score on him with the exception of you know, a, few, a few times he kind of got around to little – he had a little like the one-legged steal, one-legged step back. He had a couple hook shots he dropped over him. In the second half, he did get ahead of steam and was able to get an and one in transition. But for the most part, you know – the Bucks were a little confused, and I don't think it took them a while, I think, to really figure out how to attack DeAndre Jordan, basically just standing 10 feet from the basket and saying, all right, Giannis, you want to crank up you know, a, a, a three-pointer when you're wide open by 15 feet? Go ahead. Giannis did that, hit a couple threes tonight, which I think he's now has a well, – I forget the number, but he has now an extensive string of multi-three-point game, three-pointer games. So that's, you know, that's good. Um, but it kind of created some weird moments as well. But then down the stretch, we saw Chris Middleton repeatedly going to that screen and roll with Giannis. Mm -hmm. And if DeAndre Jordan is going to sit, you know, back in the paint and Giannis gets a good screen um, on his man, that's going to be, you know, Chris Middleton wide open mid range jump shot looks. And we saw him, you know, punish the, the nets repeatedly over the course of the night, especially down the stretch there a couple of times as, as Chris was really the guy kind of taking over. And so I think that, as we think about, you know, trends and, you know, the, the chess match, the back and forth, uh, I thought that was an important thing to kind of take away from this. Um, and we saw, I think, in the last minute, they had to bring Jordan up a lot higher on the screen of roll just because that, you know, you can't really, you can't just concede 15-foot open pull-up jumpers to, to Chris Middleton because, you know, we just know he's lethal from that range. Um, but I, I, it was an interesting kind of back and forth. And Giannis had kind of a slow start ends up 13 out of 26, 34 points, did hit six out of eight free throws, which is obviously encouraging. Um, but uh, it, it was, it was interesting. And I think the, one of the, one of the really interesting things is that, you know, they start with Jeff Green and Durant and DeAndre Jordan as the front line. And that kind of becomes a natural pairing. I think as far as you look at, you know, Middleton, who I thought did well on Durant and Durant just is Kevin Durant basically. And got, you know, got his, his 30 points on 21 shots. Um, you know, Jeff Green was the guy punishing Giannis for roaming off. He had four out of five threes. Uh, and then obviously DeAndre and, and you know, Brooke was taking DeAndre, obviously, on when the Bucks were on defense. It's, it's interesting. This team's going to be really different when Kyrie comes in the lineup, right? Because presumably then, obviously, Joe, I, I would assume Jeff Green goes to the bench and you end up with a smaller lineup with Durant at the four and DeAndre Jordan at the five. Unless, I don't know, like, I was kind of curious. I was like, would they, would they bring Joe Harris maybe off the bench to kind of give Durant a little more cover with Jeff Green so that Durant isn't guarding power forwards every night? I don't know. It'd be really interesting because I think that turns into a really different type of kind of back and forth. But, um, but either way, I, just a lot of interesting back and forth between these teams. And, uh, you know, if you can put, obviously, the likes of Harden and Durant on the floor at the same time, that's obviously a really stiff test for any defense. And, um, you know, Harris and, and Green in particular really hurt the Bucks with their three-point shooting. Harris, five out of seven, including a killer 
uh, in that final minute to kind of provide, you know, give the, the Nets the, the lead. And uh, obviously, as you mentioned, Green, four out of five, Giannis Strang um, was punished uh, repeatedly tonight again. So, yeah, it was an interesting back and forth. And I thought we saw, again, Bucks make some adjustments. We saw the Bucks switching a fair bit. Um, again, I don't have big complaints about adjustments or defensive tactics. Uh, you know, J- James Harden made a bunch of floaters today. And I think he made shots that I think you'd say, again, kind of tip your cap to him scoring 34 on 25 shots. So, yeah, it was just, I think, an impressive night of basketball from a lot of guys, and especially the big names on both sides. Well, I think I'm glad you mentioned Giannis as a, as a screener because this is what stood out to me as well. Because when I started watching this game and Giannis was, and I've said this before, you know, Giannis knocked down a couple of threes. He hit a couple of mid-ranges. But in my head, I was thinking, well, I don't know how sustainable this really is. I mean, if DeAndre Jordan is just going to stand in the paint and give him mid-range jump shots, I'm not sure that this is, even if it works tonight, like this isn't going to be a strategy that you're going to be comfortable with moving forward in the playoffs. You, you need to be able to figure out different ways to score. And Giannis spoke about being a screener in the post game and said that, um, you know, he was enjoying that, that role, enjoying that challenge. And this is something that I think we have to acknowledge. Giannis is having to figure out different ways to adjust and it doesn't always end up with him having the ball in his hands and I'm sure that this is something different for him and we saw Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton the guys that had the ball in their hands down the stretch in this one we saw uh, Chris was the guy against Dallas so you know for Giannis to adjust mid-game and Bud and the whole team to run different things to get him involved I think was important and not only Chris Middleton late in the game but we actually saw it with Bryn Forbes to start the fourth quarter. And I tweeted about this because I know a lot of Bucks fans were getting really angry with Bryn Forbes taking those mid-range jump shots. And I understand you see him as a guy that's, that's going to be a catch-and-shoot guy from the outside. He shoots a high percentage on those threes. But again, if you can use Giannis as a screener and he's a dribble handoff to Bryn Forbes who walks into a wide open mid-range shot, he's a fantastic shooter. He missed a couple in a row in the fourth quarter and that was unfortunate. But just prior to that, he hit two and they were warm-up shots. And so again, they were using Giannis not on the perimeter for those handoffs, but around the free throw uh, line level on the floor, which again was able to generate some different offense, and he hit a couple of hook shots that you mentioned. And I asked him about the hook shot and how what goes through his mind when, in some matchups, he'll decide to take those because we've seen him do it against Rudy Gobert in the past. Uh, tonight, obviously, he did it against Yonde Jordan, and he sort of said, "Well, against," the, and, and it was kind of a funny answer, but he said, "Against the elite shot blockers, I actually." like to find different ways to score so if I can get a deep catch then I can fake one way and then I'm really comfortable using that hook shot it's just against most uh, other guys he was basically insinuating that he doesn't need to go to that because he can just shoot a layup around them whereas he's he's concerned about the shot blocking but this is a shot again that we've spoke about a lot Frank I know you've been talking about it for years if he can just get that little hook shot and when it's um, there's two versions of this hook shot. So there's one which looks actually kind of smooth. And then there's another one where it's more of a, a push shot, which he doesn't seem to have great touch on. But the one hook shot that he had over DeAndre Jordan in this game, again, looked pretty good. So uh, you know, for Giannis to have 34 points on this night where he only had eight free throw attempts a- against a team that started off the game defending him the way they were, I thought it was really encouraging to see him be able to work his way into the game, uh, both as a scorer and a facilitator uh, to get touches in different areas. Yeah, and I think he was three out of six on non-restricted area two-point shots today. Mm-hmm. Uh, will be two for six on threes. Um, so, so yeah, we saw him doing things other than just uh, other than just 
you know, dunking, right. Or, or getting the rim for, for layups. And uh, again, Jordan gave him some problems with, uh, with trying to just drive at him and, and get to the rim. He missed a number of kind of point blank shots um, over the course of the night. One of them in the second half was just a, a blown bunny, but you know, Jordan defended him pretty legitimately well a, a number of times. And, and so I, 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 he's going to see that defense from other big men, right? Uh, some teams run that and others don't. Um, you know, we've seen obviously Joel Embiid do that repeatedly. Uh, we've seen different teams try with centers and, and uh, that, I think that'll always be some, something that we occasionally see depending on other teams uh, defensive options. So yeah, just uh, tonight, I think the, the pick and roll game with Middleton obviously became more and more important as, uh, as the game went on, because that, that was the obvious way to combat that uh especially i mean again most of the time if you do that Giannis can dribble up get ahead of steam and it's not like they were building a wall the way other teams have um they were really relying pretty heavily on on jordan there so um so yeah just uh, if nothing else i mean these these are games where you're going to get reps and you're going to get a chance to try different things and um i think defensively offensively obviously this was a game where they had uh, they had to try different things in order to contain both Harden and uh, Durant, just because those guys just put so much pressure on a defense. And again, I, I don't have big complaints about how they defended those two guys. Um, you know, Drew Holiday <laughs> had a very long night of having <laughs> taking turns on both of those guys, and obviously Chris was the primary defender on uh, Durant for for much of the night. And I thought, you know, they they did a nice job kind of keeping keeping him honest for for most of the night even if uh, they obviously, you know, weren't able to stop him per se, but it's hard to, it's hard to ever say like, Oh man, you should have, you got to do more to, to try to stop uh, you know, Kevin Durant or, or, or James Harden. I mean, you just, you just try to make life difficult. And obviously with uh, Harden, they've had some success trying to force him to his right. Uh, but tonight, uh, especially if he gets, if Harden has his floater game working, you know, good luck, right? <laughs> good luck, because that's that's probably the the shot that you, you probably can live with the most uh, if you're if you're defending him as from a Bucks perspective, because you know he's gonna get looks at threes, but um, you know if he gets to the rim for layups, that's a problem. He doesn't take really difficult mid range shots. The floater is probably the hardest shot that he he's willing to take. And um, again, just kind of tip your cap to some extent tonight. I mean, honestly, if you said at the start of the game combined, you're going to get 64 points from Durant and Harden on 46 shots, you'd probably sit there and say, oh, that's, that's pretty good. I'll take that every single night of the week. Unfortunately, uh, the nine for 12 three-point shooting that you pointed out from Jeff Green and Joe Harris was uh, a bit of a dagger. That was a little bit tough to overcome, but you don't expect that uh, every single night either. Let's talk about the rotation a little bit because obviously this has been something we've been monitoring uh, as the games have gone on and so much talk about Thanasis and we've been saying the whole time that I don't think he's actually going to play uh, when they come up against the elite teams in the in the league or uh, during the postseason. No Thanasis tonight, which meant that Bud just went with a straight-up nine-man rotation. And it is kind of funny to look at the box score. I did see, or a couple of people were tweeting at me through the game, um, there's some there's some growing sentiment that that uh, about Brooke Lopez. I think there's some frustration with the fans there. I spoke about Brooke uh, on the podcast yesterday, um, 
he was a minus 12 on the box score. And I know a few people pointed that out and said, well, if Bud had managed his lineups a little bit better, then maybe uh, the Bucks would have been better off. But my argument to that would be DJ Augustine was plus eight on the box score and he was 0 for 7 and was generally pretty awful tonight in his 19 minutes. Uh, the Bucks didn't get a lot uh, off the bench outside of Pat Connaughton, funnily enough, who I've said this before, but honestly, I, I do wonder if Pat sometimes is out on the floor when he's guarding a, a Jason Tatum in isolation. Tonight, he got Kevin Durant on multiple occasions. I wonder if Pat's just saying, what the, what the fuck is going on here, bud? Like, why do you keep putting me in these positions where I have to defend Kevin Durant? Unfortunately, Durant was able to score on him a couple of times there. And there was a pivotal stretch to start the fourth quarter where uh, Augustine, Forbes and Connaughton were on the floor with Harden and Kevin Durant and uh, Middleton and Drew Holiday were on the bench. This also happened earlier in the second quarter and Bud was very, very quick to pull the trigger. But unfortunately, you only need two or three possessions with those lineups and you're going to get burnt. The Bucks did that. And in a two-point game, if you want to be super critical, you would look back and say, well, maybe we just need to manage these lineups a little bit better. And I know that coaches don't necessarily like to change everything they're doing and be dictated to by the other team. But I just think when you've got, when you're coming up against Harden and Durant, you can't afford to have those lineups for even one minute because you're going to give up uh, points quite easily. And it was unfortunate for the Bucks tonight because they did have to probably play Holiday and Middleton more in the third quarter as they were trying to make that comeback. So that changes the calculations a little bit as well, but it certainly proved critical. Uh, that's that stretch at the start of the fourth quarter. Okay, let's talk about rockauto.com now, which we know is a fantastic sponsor of the show and the family business that's been sorting, serving auto parts customers online for 20 plus years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications and prices you prefer. Just go to rockauto.com right now and see all those parts available for your car or truck. Just write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. That's locked on in the how did you hear about us box. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. March Madness is a few months away, but the future of the NBA is on display right now. Get a head start on next year's draft analysis by subscribing to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast. Draft guru Chad Ford has his first big board of the year out with profiles of Cade Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, and many more. Subscribe to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast wherever you get your podcast. Well, if you're, and um, I mean, I think some of the Connaughton, uh, I mean, uh, later when when the other guys were on the floor yeah. <laughs> a couple times pack got them just because because they're switching right and so i mean you know i think you should switch in those scenarios and i don't think Connaughton was like destroyed or anything <laughs> i mean yeah to me that was just superstar players making superstar plays and yeah. I, I didn't i didn't think Connaughton stood out or anything like that in a bad way and i mean look at look at the bucks bench right now right portis augustine forbes and Connaughton played um, Forbes, I actually disagree with you a little bit. I mean, Forbes, like hunting, like mid range off the dribble contested shots. I mean, a couple of them were, were open, but those are pretty tough shots. Those, those are not, I mean, I mean. I, like, especially as the game went on, like if he's, if he's taking like those handoffs for threes, I mean, yeah, I mean that, right. Like he had a couple good looks early, um, that he missed. And then in the fourth quarter, he got a couple to go and then he kind of kept shooting them. And, you know, there's sort of those shots. It's like, when they go in, it's like, oh yeah, well, it's because he's a good shooter. And then when you miss, you're like, well, even a good shooter is shooting what 
40 max, like 45% on long content, you know, long dribble up twos. I mean, Middleton may, may be better than that, but you know, like, I don't think Bryn Forbes is giving you like a really high expected value on a shot like that. And they're very um, open. They, they were, you know, they weren't contested, eh, but he was moving. I, those aren't easy shots. I mean, that's not a, that's not a 50% shot or something to me. I, I don't think so, but, um, and, but he took a few of them. So, I mean, some of them were more open than others. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it, this is what's going to happen. I mean, there are going to be games like today where you look at the Bucks bench, you're like, Jesus, like, Bucks have no bench. And then there's going to be games where those guys make shots and you're going to say, well, the Bucks bench, ooh, you know, Bobby Portis had, you know, 17 points on 11 shots and, you know, Connaughton's hitting, I mean, Connaughton, give Connaughton credit. I mean, the dude's hitting 50% from three, you know, <laughs> we're always willing to, to bitch about him when things don't go well. He's plus 11 today. Six rebounds, two assists. I mean, he had that, that terrific save to what was it to Drew on that yeah. that Brook air ball in the fourth quarter, where it looked like it almost went out of bounds, and Pat keeps it alive and gets a layup for for uh, for Holiday. Um, yeah, it, it, you know, and, and Augustine. I think this was the kind of performance that you highlight and say, okay, that's why this question exists of like what 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 happens in the playoffs if you're playing a team like Brooklyn because every pick and roll they're having to to hedge hard and then recover because you can't switch him. And they're worried about, you know, anytime he's getting put in a pick and roll, Joe Harris got at least a couple open threes out of those types of actions. And I agree. It's kind of funny that he ends up plus eight, right? Just that that's a good example of why the single game plus minus is such a fluky thing. Cause DJ Augustine, you know, was terrible tonight. Didn't, you know, didn't literally didn't look like he could get a shot off. Um, he looked small defensively. They hunted him and, and I thought to, to good effect. Um, and obviously, you know, Portis seven rebounds, you know, four points, two out of four really didn't get many shots up. Uh, you know, this, this is kind of one of those things that against these good teams, um, are, you know, are these guys going to be able what, what level of contribution are going to get? And, uh, I, I know that people will continue to ask for Torrey Craig and see if he's going to get minutes you know, we'll see. Right. Um, but, but I, I do think it was a positive that we didn't see Thanasis tonight because I, <laughs> I don't think throwing Thanasis in there to <laughs> try to slow down Duran or whatever he would have been doing. I don't think that would have been, uh, been the answer either. So, um, so, so uh, people complain about the net depth, but, um, the bucks didn't look any deeper tonight, certainly with, with the guys that, that they had and, and just sort of the, some of the struggles that pretty much everybody, but Connaughton had kind of coming off the bench, but, um, you know, Giannis almost got to 40 minutes, 39 yeah. minutes and 48 seconds, uh, Milton 36 holiday 37. So I think from a rotational perspective, it was, I think a positive to see bud saying, all right, I'm going to play my best players and we're not going to treat this like, you know, T-ball league where everybody's got to play. <laughs> um, I'm going to roll with my best dudes and, and see if that can, can get me a win. And obviously it wasn't quite good enough, but that's I think that's the mindset they should have. They kind of treated that cl- closer to what a playoff game would look like in terms of rotations, which I think you need to do in the regular season from time to time. Well, firstly, we should we should probably disagree more often. Um, it's it's fun to disagree from time to time. And the one thing I will say, because I tweeted out about Tory Craig as well and said, you know, I would I would like to just see how he he takes that defensive challenge. It's kind of just a curiosity for mine. Uh, I know we've seen him play in Denver a little bit, um, but. 
it would be fun if you're going to play him in a matchups. This would certainly be one of those ones that you would you would want to do that if you needed a defensive stopper to come off the bench. But if you are going to run those minutes, and the point you make is is absolutely correct. I mean, this is more just me saying that sometimes when Pat gets these difficult matchups, it's kind of like, well, how much can we blame him for that? I mean, Bud's running the lineup, so I mean, it's not necessarily Pat's fault. But Tory Craig, it'll be interesting to see how he is used moving forward. But again, as you pointed to, Pat was pretty good. So it's kind of like, well, he would have been taking his minutes, but if you're looking at the bench, uh, Pat was actually the one in the fourth quarter that knocked down a couple of shots, uh, as you mentioned, came up with that big save as well. And yeah, I mean, if you want a negative takeaway from this game, that's certainly going to be it. Because if you get to the point where you're like, okay, I don't think we can really play DJ Augustine, or we can't trust him in, in certain lineups. Um, and the thing about Augustine is he's hasn't really been on a team that's made a deep run either. So there's no real data points to, to look at there. There's just no one else on the Bucks roster. I mean, you're looking at Sam Merrill, who was uh, pick 60, literally, the last pick in, in the NBA draft. So, you know, that's, that's certainly a, a significant question mark over this team moving forward. I would like to say, hey, maybe George Hill gets bought out by Oklahoma City. I don't think he wants to come back to Milwaukee, though. So, look, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> he's going to get traded. He's going to get traded for a first-round pick is what he's going to get. Yeah. What's going to happen. But, yeah, yeah I, but I, I definitely had that thought today about, I and mean, we've talked about it, how how much different the Bucks offseason might have looked if the Bucks didn't have to give up George Hill yeah. in in that trade for Drew Holiday. And if George Hill is still your backup point guard and you didn't have to go spend the mid-level on DJ Augustine, I mean, that would be, I would feel a lot better about where the Bucks are from just a defensive versatility standpoint and kind of a just playoff readiness because, I mean, look, this is like the worst case scenario for Augustine, right? He goes 0 for 7 in 19 minutes. Uh, Obviously, he's not going to, he's generally not going to look that bad, but he also just, it looked, it looked just really hard for him to get, (laughs) to get good shots. And that's been something that I've noticed. I'm not really used to watching a tiny point guard like this because the Bucks have had generally bigger point guards really since the Brandon Jennings era. Um, the Bucks have kind of, they took a right turn to generally having larger guards and we really haven't had to watch a guy this small in, in quite some time. And it is interesting just because even when he gets um, some daylight and he's driving to the basket, you know, I mean, NBA defense is closed down so quickly on guys who are that small and tonight, you know, he had one chance where he actually did a nice job getting up and under the rim. It looks <laughs> yeah. like he was going to get uh, a reverse layup, and, and he missed that one as well, unfortunately. So th- this is obviously the, the worst he's going to be. But the flip side was, I, I think defensively we saw uh, he, he's very limited. I mean, they literally have to defend differently. He, he has to defend pick and rolls differently than anybody else on the team. It's kind of like Kyle Korver last year where, mm-hmm. you know, they would, they would kind of hedge hard the screens with Korver just to try to disrupt and, and, you know, it was more of a like trapping type type approach versus what we're used to obviously seeing from, from the bucks and pick and roll. Um, so yeah, it's, that's one of those things just to kind of file away because it doesn't prove anything definitively, but again, the, to the extent that you're, you should be concerned about it and how that will you know, turn out in the playoffs. And I mean, you're going to have to try to get some minutes out of DJ Augustine, just given the lack of, you know, he's your only other point guard on the, on the roster at this point. Um, but I, I thought it was interesting too. I mean, he came in before the six minute mark of this game in both, both third, first and third quarters, I think. And I was really surprised because I was like, why are you trying to get him on the court yeah. while like Harden and Durant were still out there? Um, and I, I mean, I think the counter argument is, well, you're, you're trying to get Drew, 
I, I think I, I, I believe he came in for holiday. Did he come in for holiday or did he, I, I, I or did, was he out there with holiday? I can't remember. Um, but uh, I, I mean, I guess the, the, the answer is you're trying to get, um, you know, you're trying to basically stagger guys earlier. He only played 19 minutes. So it's not like he played a ton of minutes, but it, it was a little weird. I thought, well, at least put him out there when both of Duran and Harden aren't, aren't out there or <laughs> tried to delay that a little bit. Yeah. But um, that, that was a little bit, a little bit strange to me. Uh, yeah. And I guess one other note um, before we, we wrap this up, there was, there was a lot to talk about from this game, but the other thing that stands out, just looking at the minutes, you spoke about it a little bit, um, continued uh, willingness I suppose from Bud to play these starters more minutes, and you could say, well, he kind of has to, as we've mentioned, the struggles of the bench. But uh, Brook Lopez, again, I know there was some criticism, or a lot of criticism, I saw of his game uh, on Twitter. There, uh, he still had fifteen point seven rebounds, a couple of block shots as well. But I think it is certainly noteworthy to see that Brook played uh, almost thirty-four minutes, Bobby Portis only fourteen. Those guys have basically been playing 50 24 minutes each so far this season. So I think it is telling. Uh, that Bud obviously trusted Brooke defending the paint a lot more when you have a guy like James Harden, who we know uh, can get into the paint. He's defended him with success, or the team has de- uh, defended Harden with success in previous years as well. So again, I think that's the trust factor that Bud has in Brooke Lopez and perhaps uh, not so much in Bobby Portis when you're going up against a guy like uh, James Harden or Kevin Durant. And I think that that's certainly noteworthy given what we've seen so far. And DeAndre Jordan played... 38 minutes tonight too. So I think that's the other part too, is if, if DeAndre is out there, uh, you know, it's easier to play. uh, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. You can always argue, well, what if you go smaller to try to do something different? Okay. But, uh, but it's not like there was a problem with, um, with Brooke, you know, not being able to sit back in the paint because he was having to contest you know, a stretch five or something like that. That wasn't the case. You had DeAndre out there just, um, I don't want to say just clogging things up, but, but obviously he doesn't, he doesn't space the floor. So he doesn't punish you in that way. I, it, it was notable. And I think you mentioned it. We mentioned some of the plus minus stuff. Um, Giannis minus 12, Brooke minus 12, Dante minus 12. Um, Chris and Drew <laughs> both positive. Um, you know, kind of hard, especially in a game where the Nets hit a lot of threes. Um, a lot of the the plus minus variance is driven by well they they happen to make threes when those guys were in and miss them when they were off or things like that so I you know, get tough to draw anything kind of conclusive from that um, but certainly with Giannis I mean again this is the thing Giannis is kind of trying to play that roaming health defense he's not guarding Kevin Durant he's only sort of guarding Jeff Green and Jeff Green ends up scoring fourteen points on six shots obviously in part <laughs> because Giannis is is trying to do other stuff and, and roam and, and, and do that kind of stuff. Um, and, and that's, that's kind of one of those things where, you know, it's, it, it's a little bit of a challenge with Giannis cause he's such a talented defensive player, but there's going to be nights where he's, he's, you know, his, his impact just isn't really there as to the extent you want it defensively because he's not individually defending a great player. And then if he's not really changing, you know, if he's not, if he's not slowing Kevin Durant down by helping or slowing James Harden down by helping and he's just giving up open threes, then, you know, you're going to get a lot less value for your dollar for him defensively. And, and I think that's, that's sort of the problem with the fact that he is not really used as a, as a, you know, defending the best player type of guy. Um, I don't, for the record, I tweeted about this too. I don't, I don't really like him as a matchup on KD anyway, because 
you know, KD coming off screens, like Giannis just dies on screens. He's too big. He just can't get around screens easily. I think it's a really problematic matchup for him, which is also partly why I'd be really curious to see if Kyrie comes back, if KD is playing the four as a starter or just down the stretch, exactly what that would mean for Giannis defensively. Because at some point he's going to have to guard KD um, a little bit more directly. I think if you if this team, you know, if we got saw these guys, these teams in a in a playoff matchup, um, and and look, I, can KD guard Giannis? I think it'll probably be hard for him. He, he'd have one nice play where he tied Giannis up in transition, but I mean, look, KD's not going to have an easy time stopping Giannis given just his physicality and, and strength. Uh, but I think it, it works both ways. So uh, certainly, I like Middleton more on KD than than Giannis, just because KD is a really a perimeter player. And, and yet Chris obviously is much more comfortable um, defending on the perimeter out there. But um, yeah, I mean, look, if, if you get out, if Bucks get outscored with Giannis on the floor, they're probably losing the game, right? <laughs> that, that's when it comes, kind of what it comes down to. And tonight they, they end up getting those points back um, for the most part with when Giannis was, was not in the game, but uh, ultimately just, just not quite enough. And, I, I enjoy it. Yeah, it was it was fun seeing Holiday and, and Middleton obviously kind of step up a bit. Um, you know, seeing all three of those guys play well. It's disappointing though to see those guys put up numbers and you still don't score enough points against a super explosive Nets team, right? Um, it's not like you'd look and say, "Oh, yeah, well, Chris will be better next game or whatever." It's like, "Yeah, okay, maybe he'll hit, go better than 0-5 from three, but he's also ten out of fifteen on twos and twenty five points on twenty shots. You, obviously, you're pretty happy with that." Holiday, 22 points on 16 shots. So um, credit to those guys. And, and you, you know, your big three kind of stepped up. But ultimately just need a little more shot making. And, um, you know, certainly 11 out of 37, under 30% from the Bucks team that we've been spoiled with their shooting early in the season. Um, your margins are very small against a team like the Nets. And really the turnovers are really what kept the Bucks in it, right? Only six total team turnovers for the Bucks, which is really low, versus 17 for the Nets. So that, that obviously kind of kept it closer as you were pointing out, you know, you look at some of the three point shooting and the disparities and the paint and things like that bucks plus 10 on mid range shots, which is not really where you expect the bucks to kind of stay in a game, but Middleton in particular, they're late getting stuff going from mid range and the turnovers in this case kind of helped them. So yeah, the, 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 this would be a fascinating playoff matchup. I will say I would not want to see the Nets before the East finals because uh, they're going to be really talented. And certainly with Kyrie, they're, they're only going to get more talented uh, of course this season. Assuming Kyrie, you know, is actually playing basketball again at some point. Yeah, who knows if he'll decide to show up. But listen, I, I mentioned this on yesterday's podcast. The Bucks you know, probably would be better suited to have the one and two seed. I'd be, I'd be fine if the Bucks and the Nets are the one and two seed at the end of the regular season. So they were just helping the Brooklyn Nets bump up their record a little bit to, uh, to keep pace with Milwaukee. So smart play uh, from the Bucks there. But you mentioned the three-point shooting. Ultimately, uh, 81 points you get from Chris, Giannis, and Drew. You'd like to win that game. But also, if Brooke Lopez, Chris... Uh, DJ Augustine and Bryn Forbes are a combined two for 17 from three. You're going to struggle to win those games as well. That was the difference needed to knock down a, a couple of those threes. They weren't able to, despite the fact a lot of them were pretty good looks. But overall, uh, a fun game. Some things to take away from a positive and negative. And the, the, the good thing is, or the exciting thing is, uh, Lakers up next. So the big week continues. And then I guess we'll wait and see, uh, Frank, what happens on the back-to-back with the Washington Wizards. They haven't played forever. Their whole team has just been ravaged with coronavirus. So I guess we'll wait and see what happens on the back-to-back coming up here. But for now, 
looks like the Bucks are playing the Lakers. Is there, is, there any, is there any final thoughts? Do you have to get anything else off your chest here before we wrap it up? No, I, I think just, again, hopefully people could actually enjoy the game a little bit, even if it, it wasn't the, the final result the Bucks yeah. wanted. And obviously, Friday, Friday they win a close game. Chris Middleton hits a couple of threes late to win it tonight. Chris Milton misses a couple threes late and they lose. Um, but you know, uh, it's early in the season and, and, uh, you, you obviously I think want to claw any wins you can early in the season, especially with a lot of these East teams. I mean, the bucks have been very lucky with injuries and health and safety protocol stuff. They have not had issues the same way other teams have. So you kind of would like to bank some wins now while other teams are dealing with some things that the bucks haven't had to, mm-hmm. um, you know, and they were in, they were technically in first place in the East right before tonight. So they're obviously right there. Um, but Hey, we're, we're a little bit spoiled <laughs> expecting the one seed every year. So, um, I, again, I don't think there was anything tonight where we saw there's some red flag of like, Oh, the bucks, you know, fatal flaw, whatever is, has been revealed. Um, if you've got two superstars, two top five caliber players in the league, um, and they play that way, then then you're going to have a, a you're going to be in for a long night, especially if the role players also make shots. So, um, yeah, onto the next one. That doesn't get any easier with uh, you know arguably the the certainly the the title favorites in in LA up next on the school, on the docket. So, um, hopefully a better outcome there. But uh, let's just say glad they clawed, clawed out that Mavericks game because uh, <laughs> they've lost that one against the severely shorthanded Mavericks, and then they lost tonight, and they lost against the Lakers. And that would that would not be a fun fun time to be uh part of uh, bucks nation but uh we can always you know bucks you can you, you can always count on bucks twitter to uh you know create some some uh anxiety and, and agony no matter what so but hopefully you know hey it's it's one game and uh it was it was a pretty fun game yep i must admit uh bucks twitter tonight during the game it felt like it must have been game seven of the nba finals in stretches uh, it seemed like uh the fans that we love were a little bit on edge which is why i think it's it's always a fun place to to get on there during a game but uh the bucks nine and five as you mentioned and also like you mentioned we are a little bit greedy here second in the east which is just terrible pathetic second seed in the east right now in the bucks what have we become where we just expect to be the first seed unbelievable you would never have thought that a couple of seasons ago but we will be back tomorrow uh we'll start to build up to this Lakers game as I mentioned the other day some of the more memorable games of last year's regular season came up against LeBron and the Lakers so that's going to be a lot of fun for Frank for me take it easy and we'll speak to you guys tomorrow